let's go ahead and get started. And um, what I'd like to do is we'll just start how we usually start with is just a little bit of grounding. And so if you are in a place where you can sit comfortably and, and have your eyes closed, that would be great. And just begin to bring your attention into your body and notice where you're connecting to your chair or the floor. Oh, mm -hmm. hello. Hi, it's me, Santa. Hi, Santa. We're just getting started. Um, so, okay. so we're sitting, we're just sitting with our eyes closed and we're getting kind of centered and, and ready for, um, kind of some open hearted listening and attention. So wherever you are, just beginning to bring your attention into your body. Notice your breath coming in through your nose and out through your mouth or in through your nose and out through your nose. Just notice the feel of it. Notice the rise and fall of your chest. Any qualities that arise. And the rise and fall of your belly. And bringing your attention into the outer edges of your body all the places where you're connecting to your clothes or where you're, seat, you're sitting. And then as you continue to breathe, just bring your attention inward a little bit more. Begin to notice the quality of the muscles and bones. Notice what areas of your body feel prevalent, what comes into your attention, sensations. And see if you can just be present enough to notice without judging, without needing it to be different. Noticing that there's a myriad of sensations, pleasant and unpleasant, some neutral. And just with each breath, just allow yourself to be present with those sensations just as they are. And as you breathe in and out, just allow yourself to get more open. Just allowing the rise and fall of your breath. Allowing your attention to settle. And as we get ready to invite Corey, our guest today, into the conversation to share that we make an effort to stay open and to let go of our expectations, to offer our curiosity and our heartfelt questions 
no matter what they are. And then take a big full breath, take in as much air as you can comfortably. And then just let it out slowly. Let your eyes open. And so I'll start just by introducing Corey, which, you know, it's funny. Sometimes I, I over-prepare for these calls and sometimes I under-prepare. And today was, for this call, was someplace in the middle where I I was under-prepared until this morning and then I started to get over-prepared where I was writing the introduction for Corey and I ended up writing like a page and a half and I realized that that's probably not <laughs> Probably not going <laughs> to fly. So <clears throat> we'll see how this goes. But I'd like to welcome Corey Martinez. She is um, the owner of Asha Yoga in Sacramento. And she has um, recently become a, a published writer. <laughs> and um, she's a, a yoga teacher and a yoga teacher trainer. And um, so many other things. And I invited her uh, specifically on this call with this subject in mind, um, although she had some options, some, some, some things to choose from. But I think this particular topic for me in regards to Corey is um, pretty powerful because she is quite good at this, about at adding story and adding insight and connecting and building relationships um, in really in a way that I have rarely seen in other teachers. And it's one reason why Corey has been um, really at the top of my list of teachers for my own personal practice for many, many years. And um, one of the things that I often find myself saying when people ask me about my own practice, uh, particularly a yoga practice, is um, that I don't have a sustained yoga practice. I don't train. I don't work with anybody. I don't take classes from anybody locally because I really haven't found a teacher who I feel motivated to return to each week. And I think that that is um, it's a huge a component of building that student-teacher relationship. And um, of course, for me, when I look around and I experience different teachers, I'm comparing everybody to Corey. And, and, and the reason is because when, when I'm in a class with her, the thing that I m recognize most about her teaching is that she has this very natural way of drawing you in, of really inviting you into uh, your practice, your own practice, and sharing the space with her. And, and really, the, I think the skillfulness in this is that you can do that and you can build connection and you can have this um, ability to share but not make it all about you. And I feel like that's something that Corey is quite gifted at doing. And um, I, you know what? Instead of going on, I think I'm just going to hand it over to Corey and of course, we're talking about you know making our teaching more powerful by adding story or using themes, offering personal anecdotes and insights. And we're going to talk about a couple of different things, both why that's important and what that does, um, how that can be dangerous, and and how we can abuse that or use that too much to our detriment and to the detriment of our students. And then just some very simple things, some tools to use in order to begin to integrate um, 
this particular teaching element into our teaching. So, um, Corey, welcome, and I'm just going to hand it over to you. Uh, thank you, and thank you for the very sweet and wonderful introduction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, so I guess, you know, maybe the first question is, why why use stories? And and I don't, you know, I guess it's really why do I use stories, and also why do I think that using stories is um, is of benefit both for me as a teacher and for my students. And uh, I think the first thing that I would say really is about building trust through the use of stories. And um, I don't know if anyone on the call can relate to this personally, but I think in general people are very skeptical these days. You know, we're constantly being marketed to and manipulated by people and businesses with an ulterior motive. And sharing something personal that others will relate to just often helps people to get to know you as a fellow human being. And once this connection is made, it's much easier for them to trust you. And when I say that, I just want to be clear that I'm not saying that the use of stories is to manipulate that trust. I'm saying that there's an opportunity there to actually connect as human beings and develop an authentic trust. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. So the, the just being able to build that trust with with your students or the people that may be inquiring about whether or not to be a student of yours. Um, and, and, and then the next thing that kind of goes right into this idea of making connections. So I think that we're definitely, you know, using the stories, like I said, to make connections uh, to each other. But also what, what I feel is important about this idea of connection and, and storytelling in your teaching is that your story connects to what you're teaching. So that there isn't, um, that there isn't a disconnect there, you know, that we're not just telling a story that has nothing to do with what we're teaching. Um, I think in that case, when that happens, you know, there's a, possible, a possibility that it feels like, oh, we're wasting time here. Like I'm, you know, especially if it's paying time, right? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm paying for this class and you're just talking story and, and that's, you know, not what I'm here for. Let's get to it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very important that there's connection between the story that you tell and, and what it is that you're teaching. Um, so I do have one more one more bullet point, and then I'll I'll stop and see if you have something to add or inquire about. <laughs> but um, the the last thing is is really around the power of transparency. And uh, you know, just just the other day, I was price shopping a screen printer for you know making making shirts. And I had called several different places, and, and I was just looking for where's the cheapest price. And actually, the third guy who I talked to, before he ever got around to sending me his price or giving me his price, he actually still hasn't sent me his price, <laughs> but he did <laughs> tell me a story. You know, he, he asked me something about where I was from and, 
and and then he had a story about growing up and what had happened to him in the last week and and we made a connection based on the stories that he was telling and the way that he was being being open and it was really about because he hadn't gotten back to me and he wasn't sure when he was going to get back to me because of these various things in his life and I just you know I hung up the phone and I still don't have a price from him and I know that he's who I'm going with and it's really all about because we made that we made a connection that was beyond that was beyond price and you know I told my assistant today she said do you want me to follow up with the other people? And I said, no, we're just going with this guy when he sends his kid, that's what we're doing, you know? <laughs> and so I think that, you know, who are you more loyal to and more committed to, like total strangers that, that you don't know anything about or the people that you're closest to? <laughs> and, you know, I think that once we're able to get closer to people, then we're going to be more more loyal to them and more committed to them. And and as a teacher, when we have students that are loyal and committed to us, you know, that's, that's really, that's a benefit to the students, right? Yeah. And, and to, to their own practice. So. Yeah, and also, also building connections and, and relating on more, on a greater level than just the kind of black and white rigid student teacher relationship it's you know you you talked about a little bit in our other conversations about how it also makes it's like it's two human beings connecting to each other and that for me I my at least my own experience with deciding making the decision to continue to practice with the teacher or to show up week by week even though you know things get in the way and I'm busy and life is challenging and complicated that if I don't have that connection if I don't believe that that person is interested in actually building a relationship with me and then I'm not there's no motivation to come back right and in fact there I have in my trainings I you know there are things that we need to know as teachers and and often in particular as movement teachers that we need to know about the the body or the, the person that we're working with, and and I and so I'm not saying that we shouldn't find that out, but in my trainings, I do tell tell my teachers, do not when somebody walks in the door, don't ask them, uh, you know, have you ever done yoga before? Do you have any injuries that I should know about? And you know, whatever the typical boilerplate question is. I mean, you can you can tease that out or get that out at some point, but the questions really that you should ask should be deeper than that, something that you can find something out about them and see how the two of you can connect right away. Mm-hmm. And what what kinds of things do you do, Corey? What kinds of questions do you find yourself asking new students? Well, um, you know, I think that maybe sometimes it starts from have you ever done yoga before? Are you new to yoga? And if they, you know, depending on what they say, then I really, you know, that helps me to kind of get the question answered that I need to know for technical reasons. Um, and then I, and then, and then from there, I just sort of go with what they say, yes or no. But then people will offer something like, yes, I, I tried it before, but I'm not really very good or, you know, and then I might say, you know, I might just talk about 
about being able to relate to that or, you know, totally getting that and understanding that because of it. it's my own experience being that way and how I hear that from so many students. And then I'll follow up with, and, you know, I just want you to know that you're, that this is a very safe space and you're welcome to take care of yourself and there's no pressure, you know. Mm-hmm. And so within, within that, it's like I got the question that I needed. I shared how I could relate to something that they said and then gave an invitation to them to, you know, and, and made that applicable to them and an invitation for them to use my experience, basically, to uh, have a better experience themselves. Yeah, and I think I can really appreciate the fact that you're talking about the even the moment, even before the actual teaching moment, as being such a crucial moment in starting to build that connection and, and even bringing um, this ability to relate before they even walk into the classroom, um, I think goes back to what you were talking about, you know, building trust. And we are, we are as shoppers, skeptical and suspicious. And we want to know what, you know, what is most important to this person that I'm shopping from this, whether it's you as a teacher or, you know, the screen printer guy, it's like, you want to know that there's something beyond just the money that they're going to get from you that, that is going to draw you into that. And I, I appreciate that it's, you know, it does really, that we should be looking at how we introduce ourselves and how we introduce our studio and the work that we do so that that's an element of sharing story and, and personal experience, even in, in a very small way before we even step into the classroom. It's like it primes them for settling down into the experience, um, you know, and makes you more comfortable before the teaching even begins. And then, as we all know, as teachers and as students, we are much more receptive to then what is offered to us in that teaching, you know, whatever the practice is. So, um, I really appreciate that. I want to, um, I'm going to step back for just a second and then open it up for questions or comments before we move on. But one of the things that Corey and I were talking about in preparation for the call was just some very simple tools that you can use to look at how to introduce story or if you're doing that already, is it working or is it not working? And I wanted to just bring those three things up because you're going to hear them kind of come out in the conversation and Corey's already touched on them a little bit. But the first one is, what's the point of telling your story? And and my interpretation of that is the, your clear intention, right, is to be very thoughtful about what why are you sharing this particular thing? Is it relevant? Um, well, that's actually the next thing. So clear intention, that's the first thing. What's the point in telling the story? The second thing is what's... Right. Well, let me just add, let me just expand on that for yeah. a little bit, Chantel, uh-huh. if that's okay. Sure. Okay, so what's the point of telling the story? It's, to me, yes, that there's a clear intention and that, and I think what, and what we want to look at really is that just getting really clear that it's not an opportunity to vent or to make yourself look good or to get advice or to gather support or even to be manipulative about creating a relationship, mm-hmm. right? The, the point of this story should should be about teaching, supporting, or comforting the student. Mm-hmm. And, and so when you look at what is your point, I mean, you know, you want to get clear 
want to get clear about that and that it is about teaching, supporting, or comforting the students. Right. Yeah. And then the second one is what's the lesson or the message? And for me, that means is it relevant, right? Because I know there have been moments where I've been in a class with somebody where there's they're sharing and like you mentioned in the beginning, Corey, it quickly becomes like, okay, can we move on? Can you just be done? Because this is not actually like making any difference for me at all. It's just like, are you like, this is wasting my time. So that, I don't know if you want to talk more about that in the moment, but. Right. Yeah. I think that we have to, that we need to make it obvious that our story has a purpose. And, you know, in order to do that, we need to be clear about that already and um, and maybe have spent some time being thoughtful about it in preparation. And, and, and also to show that we're willing to be open and to connect in order to be a more effective teacher, mm-hmm. right? And that, and, and, and that we're telling this story in order to support a message and not just to have small talk. Right. Right, exactly, um, and and I think what's interesting about this second this second tool or or question is um, to notice when you yourself as a teacher are using story uh, as a, out of laziness, right, as a distraction, um, either because of your own laziness or your own like disinterest. Because I don't know about the rest of you, but that certainly has been my experience. I've had moments where I realize like I'm just chatting. Because I really don't want to be teaching, and that 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 means I need to examine a lot of things. But right, uh, um, and or do we get sucked in by our students' um, need or desire to sidetrack us? And I think that's also something that I have been victim to, particularly. You know, in our Pilates work, we are working one on one, and and that can happen is where people want. They want a therapy session, and they want uh-huh. they want to talk about everything, and and you start to get the sense that they just really don't like they're there to hang out with you, which can be one of these dangers of of sharing, you know. And we'll go into that, but you know, it's like can you notice either when you have lost the lesson or the message, or your student is getting you off track because they're really not interested in what they're there for. You know, they need, they, they're looking, they're being lazy too. So anyway, I just think that there's a lot of things wrapped up in that particular one. Right. And I think too, that the, the, the less clear you are about your point of telling a story and how it relates to a message. Um, and the, the more you go into the small talk, the more you invite that sort of situation, right? Mm-hmm. And and you know, and not to say, not to say that I don't do that as well because I, I certainly, <laughs> as you said, fall fall victim to the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So the third thing was what what's the invitation to the student? Um, you know what what is it that you're inviting them to get curious about? Is the way I think about it, and I know. Um, Corey's going to talk about how to introduce and weave story into a class. Um, so we're going to be talking more about that. And, and in a group class, you know, an invitation 
an opportunity to get curious or to, to kind of open yourself up in the student's role to something new um, hap- can happen at the end of a class, but it doesn't have to be that either. It can be, it can be an invitation in the moment, uh, you know, in an exercise or in a pose to, to change your perspective or to experience something new. So I just wanted to put those out there now because to, we're going to be talking about them more and reinforcing them more. And I wanted you to be, um, I wanted you to have some succinct things to be able to, to take away. So, um, so there's that. So we're going to, we're going to jump back in. Does anybody have any thoughts or questions or comments for Corey about what we've discussed so far about why to add story into our teaching? No. Hi, ladies. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I know this is Santa. Um, I just wrote down um, a question, but um, how many words, my question was how many words does it take to, to pull someone completely out of their body and experience, you know? So, you know, it can just, just understand the question. Well, I think I understand it um, maybe as where where is the balance between uh telling story and having them go intellectual to understand and hear you and right. and then versus having them stay in their body and feel the experience. Yeah. Like what okay. kind of story would bring them closer into their body, you know, as opposed to going off. Like I once went to a, a meditation, a sitting meditation thing um, and led by a group and event led by a man who was a um, neuroscientist who's written the Buddha's brain, this book called Buddha's brain. And so half of, half of the, the time was sitting, well, I think it was like half of the time was sitting and then the other half was talking about the neuroscience of what happens in meditation and stuff. And, and I found it really weird. You know, and I'm I'm kind of interested, but I I tend to be kind of in my head a lot, and it's like, uh, or there can be a kind of cutoff between what's going on in my thought processes and being in my body. So that's where that's coming from 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 me is that um, when I first started Pilates many years ago, I felt like the verbiage was just over the top, even for me, who had some movement experience, um, I, I was too busy trying to track the information and um, was really lost to my own experience. Right. Well, just to speak to that part first, I think that whenever we're new, whenever we're newer to something, it's very common that we have to start in our head and that we are not going to have the same experience, the same full experience. Um, I mean, we don't have to start in our head, but that is where so many of us end up <laughs> starting. And, uh, and, and, and that is the way that so many teachers teach. And, and 
that and that that's okay. And that's the same thing with, with this whole idea of telling story and finding that balance is that, yes, there are going to be some parts in your teaching where it is intellectual and it is about connecting um, intellectually and connecting, you know, in, in that way. And then there are going to be other moments and other opportunities where it's about the student's experience and feeling it and finding it on their own and then other parts where they're not even thinking about it you know it's just it's it's like first it's all in the head and then it's kind of like blending the head and the and the, and the experience and then the head can step out at some point and it can just be all about the experience and and I just think that that's just the way it goes. Like, we're learning on all of those different levels all, all the time. And that right. when we're teaching, it's okay. It's okay to teach sometimes to the intellect and then right. sometimes to invite an experience. And I think it's yeah. really about looking for balance in that. And so, you know, I know that, that when I teach, you know, and often I have, like, a philosophical message because I'm – teaching yoga and, uh, and a lot of, that's just a lot of what I teach is the philosophy of yoga. So it, uh, you know, I will like tell a story in the beginning and then make a mention and then explain how it could be applied to this experience like on your mat in your yoga practice in your body or what comes up as you're right here. And then I'll do a little reminder of that at some point in the class so they can check in with it. And then at the end, I will somehow tie in the whole thing to how can this be a, a, a bigger experience in your life or, you know, is there a way of letting this sink in and, and you imagining your life, like understanding this message, you know. And, and, then, and then they can move on throughout their day with an invitation of having an experience of it. Uh-huh, nice. uh, oh. Go ahead, sorry. I just said nice. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Well, um, Corey, it's Maria. I just wanted to say that sounds really great, and clearly I should take a class from you because we <laughs> kind of the picture that you painted was really, really cool. <laughs> so that's why I wanted to kind of, um, that now it kind of makes sense because I just wasn't sure I was going to ask if you can maybe give an example of something of how, you know, a story that you tell would connect to the teaching experience, uh, to, to you teaching, um, you know, in the classroom and then, you know, to an experience um, of a student on the mat. Like how that all, you know, kind of an example. And it sounds sounds really great. But what is yeah, it? and I can like? give a more, even more specific example, yeah. Um, so it's, so let's say um, I'm teaching a class and I want to offer this message that um, challenging situations help us to grow in a positive way. Right, so there's a message and, and probably we've all heard that message. I don't know. Is that true? On the call yeah. Here? Yes. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and, 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 and I know that we can from my own experience and from speaking to other people, that we can hear this message and we can get it to a certain degree, yet in the midst of a challenge, it can still feel very hollow and provide little comfort, right? So when I want to introduce this message in a class, um, I, I, I want to use 
story and the balance of story and this whole process like I described it a minute ago to to really let that sink in and um, and become you know have have them make a personal connection uh, to to that to that message and so you know often when I want to when I want to teach this message I share a story about a time when I was in fifth grade and all my friends decided one day that they didn't like me. <laughs> and they threw my school books in the garbage, and they made fun yeah, of me. You better refused to talk to me. <laughs> right, like, probably like most fifth grade girls. <laughs> and, I thought I was and the only one. Oh, I know, don't we? We do. <laughs> and, and this is a very good example of how telling stories can create connection. Right between between people because we are never alone with our stories, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so so I talk about you know how they threw my school books in the garbage and they didn't talk to me and that I was absolutely humiliated and how for weeks I called my mom every day crying and begging her to pick me up from school and and this for me was a very painful memory of my childhood and. And the experience at the time was absolute torture. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I know that I still carry heartbreak and self-doubt as a result of that experience. And I also dread the possibility that the same thing could happen to my own daughter. But I am simultaneously aware of the positive effect it has had on who I am today. Because I, I deeply and honestly credit this experience in, in huge part for this ingrained desire I have to be a kind, thoughtful, and compassionate person and, and to treat people that way. And so when I recognize that about the situation, the message that challenging situations help us grow in a positive way feels more authentically true, right? It doesn't feel like a shallow uh, message or a bumper sticker or something like that. It feels really real to me because I can see how it was actually true in my own experience. And so if I, you know, I would tell that story and I would explain all the things that I just explained to you, and then I... In, in, in bringing it back to the mat and this moment for the student, I would give them an invitation to embrace the challenges that come up right here on their mat today, whether it's physically, emotionally, or mentally. And so they have a little something to, to, uh, to work with as they go, and they may or may not think about it, and I just may leave it alone for a little while. But then I want to I want to tie it in at some point before the end, right? And sometime in the middle or or end ish, <laughs> and it, and at a time where there's a point of rest, right? Where it's appropriate for them to go back to intellectual and and listening and, and listening to me and out of the movement of the practice. And and then at that point I would extend an invitation. Um, for them to, uh, like, move into the rest of their day or even just 
just to imagine, maybe just to imagine a life of, of fully trusting that each challenge would ultimately bring something good. And I might propose that by trusting in this experience, it would actually be less painful and that they would feel more free and less burdened even in the midst of the challenge. And, and I would want to give some time for them to really let that sink in and really go, just imagine what, what life would be like if I, if I really trusted that each challenging situation that came up was here to help me grow in a positive way. And, yeah, <laughs> and, and, and then that, and for me that gives a chance for that to just sink in and become real to the students. And then as we close our practice, I might ask them to find an experience in their own lives that seemed really terrible at the time, but now they're grateful for it and to see how they have benefited from it. So I'm just taking this next step to making it even more real and authentic for them and, and to let this idea sink in even more. And, um, and, and you know, sometimes people are, are very emotionally affected. You know, they'll cry or they'll just, or, you know, they'll smile. But, but going through this whole process, by the end they get it. And using my story as an example, helping them find helping them find their own story as proof, and then getting them to imagine a life of embracing the message is is a very powerful way of teaching the message, right? Versus like reading a quote or slogan and speaking. Yeah, I'm that a that's really cool. Yeah, I think <laughs> there there are a couple of things that come up for me because because I tend to add story a lot into my own teaching and I've been in class with Corey enough to, to have the experience of being led through this with her. And one is the idea of proof. Um, and asking, I think what happens is we, we've probably all been in a teaching or a, a learning environment where the teacher gets too off track with their story and never brings it back around. And so it does feel pointless or, or kind of shallow. Um, I, I think that one of the things that is important in looking at, you know, why are you sharing this? What's your message? And why, why do you care? Like, why does the student care? It's, it's the, it cannot just be about you. It, there has to be some offering, you have to create as the teacher an opportunity for that person to take your insight, your, the, 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 um, opportunity of relatedness into their own experience. And, um, you know, what Corey is describing is, is a very full and rich experience throughout an entire class. And I think that in both the yoga format and the Pilates class format, we have an opportunity to do that in a lot of different ways, both in terms of philosophy, because certainly Pilates um, is based in some very specific philosophical tenets, and also in terms of um, movement experience and, and learning about our body. So it can happen in a, this large scale, but it can also happen in a small moment. It, it can be kind of a micro, uh, um, a micro event within a class where we we notice because we're attentive 
that that student is struggling, a student or multiple students are struggling with something, we offer a, an opportunity of relating, of insight to the student, and in that very moment, we invite the student to find where that is true or not true in their own body um, or in their own experience. So I think this this piece of proof is so important and it can happen in a very like macro way or in a micro way and I just think that that's it's an important piece for us to to look at is that it's not just about sharing it's not just about a particular message but we do our responsibility in venturing into this skill of telling story is that we need to invite the student to find the proof in their own experience that this is actually having value and having impact. And I think that that's so important and a piece that most teachers really miss completely, which makes it a waste of time. The other thing, it, the other thing is timing. You know, it, it's like, I think kind of goes back to Senta's question about like, you know, how do you find that balance of where you are, we're movement teachers, and we want people to be, it's an opportunity for people to come into their bodies in a way that they may not be throughout the rest of their day. So the last thing we really want to do is allow our story to sidetrack them. I mean, I certainly, one teacher that I have practiced with here in town, I, you know, it's like, there's just, there's so much chattiness that there's not enough room for me to have my own experience. It's like I'm too stalled. I can't find a connection. I'm being pulled out of my own experience too much because there's like random bits and pieces and nothing's really feeling very coherent. So I think that looking at our timing in terms of sharing and creating or offering story is really important. And we can, again, we can do it in, in the way of like this macro way, right? Where we are introducing, using story to introduce or support a theme at the beginning of a class where our students are coming in and we're, um, we're helping them to ground and to get quiet and to be present because that happens. I mean, that, for me, is certainly an integral piece of priming a student for an optimal learning experience. And so choosing the right moment, right? Not making it too long is like, if you're in the middle of an intensive series of exercises or movements, you don't just like stop all of a sudden and add a story. So I, I wanted to just, cause that's what was coming up for me listening to you, Corey is talking about how, how really so much of teaching in general is timing and our ability to really be sensitive to when the right time is to add these kinds of things in. And I don't, I don't know if you want to speak to that a little bit or if anybody has any thoughts or questions about that, but I just, those are the things that kind of were red flags as I was thinking about in the Pilates environment or just the movement environment that we have to be very sensitive to this idea of proof and this idea of timing. Right. And I, you know, I think it was really important what you said that the proof, that this finding this proof is not about giving proof and proving it, proving something to them, proving our point to them. It's about um, creating an opportunity for them to find their own proof, mm -hmm. and which, which is what you said, Chantal, and I, um, and I think, and I just wanted to, you know, 
pound that in a little bit, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that that it, I think in particular as new teachers, it can be a little bit overwhelming, or even as new to like trying. Just whenever we're trying to introduce a new method into the way that we teach, right? Um, it can be a little bit you know, overwhelming and like, oh, I, I have to prepare this perfect way where I have a point and I have a message and then it, it comes in to be an invitation to the student. And uh, and then I also have to wait for the perfect moment. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it can feel yeah. a little bit complicated. Um, um, but I would... Yeah, sir. Oh. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, sir. I, well, I just want... Uh, sorry for interrupting. I just wanted to say yes to that because... I am a new Pilates instructor, and I'm having a hard time just organizing the movement material in a <laughs> cohesive way. So this is a little um, advanced for me, <laughs> yes. actually, because um, uh, it's another layer, and I, I, I um, well. Here's what I, I want to yeah. tell you before you get discouraged. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it may be advanced for you to integrate this while you are um, dealing with all the movement stuff that you're still working on. Right. Um, but it's still something you can think about to use in the first five minutes that you speak to your client or your student as they walk in the door. Mm. So yeah. it's still something that you can begin to apply in order to build trust make connection and benefit from the power of being transparent, right? So you don't have to, it doesn't have to be, and I've been teaching for like 13 years, so it doesn't have to be that you are integrating it um, in the same way that I am and in the same moment, and, and it may be that you never do it that way. It may be that you always feel it's more important, or I don't, I don't know that this is how you feel now, but it may be that forever you feel that that focusing on the movements and the, and the body and, and leaving space during, you know, while you're doing the, the, the physical practice is, is important and there's not enough room and time for stories. So that's fine, and yet still there are other, there are other ways of doing it. I, you know, gave one example of how I might, how I might do it, but it's very, very powerful to do it just in the first, you know, in the first five minutes, mm -hmm. like I said, to, to build the trust, make the connection, and have that opportunity to be transparent. If you do anything, you know, as a, as, as a fly teacher, most likely, and I know as, as yoga teachers, you know, we're independent contractors, and so you might have things, you might have a website, you might have a blog, you might do it in, in those kinds of ways where you can be more thoughtful and feel less pressure of not being exactly in the moment, you know, you can, you can think it all out and, and do it in, in written form. So there are definitely ways where you can begin to to benefit from the power of, of using story, um, even as a new student. And then certainly give yourself time to, you know, there's there's no need as a new teacher to try and do everything all at once while you're teaching the class. You know, I mean, while you're teaching either, I don't know if you do privates or um, full, yeah, full classes. I'm basically doing privates um, and... I like the idea. I don't really even I know how to <clears throat> take a scene and uh, too well, you know, and articulate, as I said, um, a balanced 
program with a, say, I mean, a balanced session or series of sessions with a theme, say. Um, and, you know, so the, and that's probably a whole other topic, but I can see where story, you know, and theme are, could be related and yeah. serve to so, help each other, but I'm just saying where I'm not. So. Yeah, and I would suggest for you that maybe you just think about, that you think about um, what is it that a Pilates student, when they come in, and you can even ask, like, some people that you know, or you can think about it for your own experience, like, what is it that you were challenged by as a student, or as a new student, or as a student? And what, and then, when you have that, just that one thing, what is it, then you can think about a story in, in, in your own, you know, you can think about, well, what sort of message is there? Is there a quote or something that helps you address that? What was your experience around it? Um, and, and what can you actually do to apply that? And, and you can start to just formulate, like, okay, when you see somebody struggling in the same way that you did or asking the same questions that you asked, then you can tell your own story, offer the lesson or the message that you learned, and invite them to do the same thing. Yeah, and right? I... And it's just, yeah, it can be just that simple. Yeah, and I want to, I've just been thinking about, like, you know, relevant examples, Senta, and, and I was thinking, um, you know, I've seen, you do this because I have a relationship with you and, and I, I have seen you make, I've heard you make reference to your past movement history in, in this. Are you this, talking to me, Senta? I'm talking to or, you, Senta. Sorry. I'm talking to Senta. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I was just thinking because listening to Corey talk and you talk that you know you have often brought up your experience in Taekwondo and and in a very relevant way within our conversations and I think I think that you know talking about adding story in a way that's very organic and simple and doesn't take you know doesn't have to be this broad scope kind of thing it can be just what Corey's saying you know it's just. I often, I think, found that as a newer teacher, I found myself telling story because I was at a crossroads where I didn't know how to answer a question or I did. I felt like, like I wasn't able to get through. And so the, the, the thing that I did was I had to just turn it back on myself. Uh, it's like what Corey is saying, you know, it's like, like, man, okay, this person is really struggling or I'm clearly not getting through. Where, where in my own experience has that been true? And to share that, so it's almost like we don't, instead of trying to like break through a brick wall, we're able to just step back and see like, well, what's really, you know, the movement is no longer maybe the important thing and getting them to achieve a particular movement, but there's something else here and as a teacher, we can we can use it as a tool of uh, like going around the brick wall or over the brick wall instead of trying to to you know just bust our way through it when that's clearly not working. It's a way of like of taking us out of needing the student to achieve something in the moment and making it more 
human by saying, I, you know, there's this, there was this moment when, you know, I started learning guitar and I just remember sitting there feeling like, I hate this. I am never going to get this. And it's just something I'm never, ever, ever going to get. I don't understand the notes. I don't understand the chords. Like I just, my fingers don't move like that. My fingers are raw. They're hurting. Like why would anybody want to learn guitar? You know, and it's like that simple little thing, all of a sudden, you know, it's a moment of connecting and relating and then, and then you're able to move on. And, you know, you, I've seen you do that naturally I think we all have a tendency to, you know, to kind of do that in terms of relating instinctually to other people. And so I think that... Well, we all want to talk about ourselves all the time. (laughs) Well, and I think because... I'm trying to open that door. Well, I think, though, when we are teaching something that is less familiar to us and we're practicing, that it is an appropriate tool to turn back into the thing that we are most familiar with, which is our own experience, and use that as a way of bridging the gap, right, of, of making that okay, leap. Can I give, can I give an, exa- an example? Of, I mean, like, of in, just of a, of a client who comes in and, and they have a, um, you know, they have a clear kind of um, – um, de- desire in terms of physically, and it's around protecting themselves when they go into a, a math class or something, and you know, sort of wanting to learn in, about you know having certain things with their body, but also a huge they're in a huge emotional crisis. Okay, so like somebody comes in, they're not it's, it, we're not doctors, and it's and these students or whatever potential student clients that come in are not uh, just physical bodies, right? I mean, this is, so, you know, something about, I, I think what this is about is, um, you know, Pilates is very, um, uh, a very precise kind of practice, you know, it's, it's, and, and um, yeah, I'm sure everybody has some frustration with it, and, um what am I saying? And most of the Pilates classes I've been in are about trying trying to get the client or the, the student to uh, get the movement. And um, so I so this brings in a level of something else. And you know, there's teaching a class, and then there's working with somebody individually, and working with that whole person, you know, they're presenting a physical thing, they're also presenting an emotional crisis, you know, um, and so, you know, I think that's great because you go, okay, is this frustrating for anybody? Because this is frustrating for me, you know, this is frustrating for me sometimes. <laughs> and that, yeah. could be, that could be your whole story. Your whole story is, Sometimes when I do this, this is frustrating. <laughs> um, or it could be, you know, this one time when I was doing this and your story could be more elaborate. But, and then it's like, well, and what, how did, how have you approached it? And it's not because you're trying to, you know, you may, they may not want to approach it the same way you do, but you're still connecting. You're connecting with, okay, you're not the only one who's frustrated. I've been there. 
yeah, we can connect on that level. And this is what I've done. Maybe there's something useful in that for the students. Then they can apply it to themselves or not. It's always just an invitation. But, it's, I mean, it's that yeah. simple and you have it right there. You know, you, you recognize that there's a whole person here that's coming in and and that you're that, that there may be more value than just, like, giving the message of the movement that there's, right. I mean, my whole point is there's value in connecting, like, actually connecting and, and connecting through the use of story is, is you know, one great way. Uh, Corey, I think... Um, I think it's great what you're saying, and I think what I'm hearing you say is, like, no matter what level you're at, you know, how many years you've been doing or where you are as a teacher, there's always room to make that connection, and there's different ways to do it. You know, you could start with little tidbits, like what you just said, kind of relating and sharing, you know, your experience and kind of, and oftentimes it's breaking the ice, too, when you have, you know, say, like, it, for me, I've just stepped to class, you know, with all these students I've never, I've never met, never seen. And it kind of just allows them to get comfortable and to, like, just relate to you on something. And then there could yeah. also be down the road a deeper, you know, what kind of your example that you brought up. I mean, I'm sure that comes with, you know, just that'll come naturally at some point. Maybe not right now, but at some point. Yeah. But I think yeah. that's so valuable. That's perfect, and that's such a perfect opportunity, what you said, and I know we're, we're probably ready to go, but that's, when walking into a group of people that don't know you and you don't know them and just finding a way to, and using a story to connect right in that, in that first moment um, makes such a big difference, and it's a perfect opportunity to do it. Yeah, and I think yeah, that... In, in even the smallest way. Yeah, and I think like what you said before, Corey, which is it—it's not. It doesn't have to be integrated in this full, like whole kind of way that you described earlier. But that it's just right. Yeah, I'm it, sorry, I freaked you guys out a little bit. <laughs> no, that was a great. That was a, well, that, that was a great example. I think that what we need to do is we need to allow it to be organic, and the purpose of of this whole platform of skillful teaching is to to begin to look more deeply into ourselves as teachers and be clear about what we say and what we do and how we build ourselves as a teacher. How do we embrace teaching? And so it's not necessarily like, you know, some of the more technical skills where we can take it and we can integrate it and it's like, it's just pretty clear cut cut and it, that's it. This is like, let's start to bring our attention into the power of and the use of story and start to investigate what's there for us. What are we comfortable with? How do we already do that? How do we fall into the trap of becoming too chatty or do we use it because we're lazy? It's just, it's like with, you know, any kind of insight meditation or, or uh, awareness practice. It's really just bringing, like shedding some light on this particular very potentially powerful tool and then looking and seeing how do we already really do that and and how do we take what all the things that Corey has offered and all the things that we've talked about today and let that happen organically and in its own time because that's appropriate yeah. and that's how we develop as teachers it, and it is it's time and it's the experience and it's showing up over and over again and it's making mistakes and it's you know Corey uh, originally I think was going to talk about 
one of the ways it doesn't work. And it's like, we all have those moments and, and it's like, we leave a class and we go, crap, that didn't work. Like that's just, I, I wish I could take all of that back, you know? And, but it's just, it's all of that. It's massaging these, these things in slowly and in a way that feels very authentic. Um, and I think that that's just appropriate, but the beauty of this opportunity to talk with Corey and to share with each other is that we now have shed some light on this particular element of teaching. And in no matter what, if we use it today, tomorrow, in a month, or in 10 years, that we are a little further ahead of the, the curve because we now have just brought it into our attention. And, and I think that that's really the value of this. So, yeah. And, and, you know, if it's something that you want to do, you might even just start journaling about it as if you're doing it, right? But you don't actually begin to apply it in, in real life and then let those stories can start to, those connections can start to be made within your own mind mm-hmm. of, of, you know, what types of things to share and what message is there and, and, and all of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, um, yeah, thank you. It is just uh, a little after two, oh. and okay. I just want to um, give a um, a, ref- uh, a referral or something. But has anybody ever heard David White? W H Y T E. He is um, he's a poet and he's like a bard. So he's from Ireland, and he goes now, he's got a whole story himself. But what he is, is a, a teaching storyteller. Hmm. And um, I went to a one-day workshop, and I uh, and the room was packed. It was like a huge place. And he just talks about his, this is, there's no movement in it. But for an, exa- for an example of somebody who and talk teaching stories and from his own life experience he's an incredible model and he has CDs he's got a website and uh, I mean he's very intense you can't bring David White into a Pilates session you know (laughs) (laughs) but his teachings and just um, the way and then he'll all of a sudden he'll break out and he'll read a poem by Rilke or a poem by himself or a poem by you know, uh, someone else. I'm also a poet, so, um, but, but mostly the guy can tell a hell of a teaching story and how it's done from within his own experience. Absolutely mind-blowing. And I think, you know, I think that that's one of the things that we can also do, um, as teachers is take the opportunity to, um, work out, like study outside of our genre you know, to, to look at teachers in other fields and to look at people who have these particular gifts because that, that does start to influence us. It's, it starts to impact us in very subtle ways. And I think as teachers of anything, we have an obligation to continue to pique our own curiosity and, and to also study from people that are outside of our field. I think that's, um, it's so, it's inspiring and rejuvenating and, Definitely one of the things I think that we can do to begin to look at how to craft our teaching um, and infuse it with story. So it's 2.08. Thank you, everybody, for taking your time. Corey, thank you. That was just 
more than I had expected and really wonderful. And um, I appreciate you taking the time and effort and just love you. And until next time, everybody.